There is always a great deal of discussion on the distinction between short-term and long-term capital gains and losses. This episode explains how to determine short-term versus long-term capital gain or loss and the tax impact of each. Welcome to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Jeff Skolnick and I'm a CPA with 35 years of experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers on how to make their business more successful by understanding how taxes can work in their favor and not hurt their business. Each and every week I'm going to come to you with short, quick, and helpful tips on not only how to make sure you are doing everything possible to minimize your income tax liability, but also how to create the income for your business that you truly deserve. There is always a great deal of discussion on capital gains and losses, including special tax rates and short-term and long-term holding periods. This episode addresses some of the basic questions. So start off with what transactions are considered capital transactions? The Internal Revenue Code, interestingly enough, does not really define directly what capital assets are. They actually define capital assets by explaining what they are not. And the Internal Revenue Code says that a capital asset is any property except anything considered to be inventory for your business, depreciable or real property used in a taxpayer's trade or business, specified literary or artistic property, business accounts or notes receivable, or certain U.S. publications. The most common types of capital assets that we talk about would include stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and land held for investment. So that's kind of more what I'm going to focus on. So what are the current tax rates on capital gains? Well, short-term capital gains are taxed at the same rates as ordinary income, somewhere between 10% and 37%, depending on your tax bracket. So whatever tax rate your ordinary income in other words that your wages and your interest income and, and all that would be taxed at short-term capital gains uh, would be taxed at the same rate long-term capital gains have different rates the long-term capital gain rate can be either zero percent 15 percent or 20 percent depending on your taxable income and filing status so there is definitely a, a, a more advantageous um, tax rate structure for long-term capital gains versus short-term capital gains. Uh, and I just wanted to mention, and, and most of the time when we're talking about capital gains, we're talking about you know this long-term versus short-term, and, and we're talking about either the ordinary income rates for short-term capital gains or the specified rates I've just given for long-term capital gains. There are a couple of other capital gain, long-term capital gain rates that I just wanted to make you aware of, uh, although I'm really not going to focus on it here. There is a 25% capital gain rate Um, that occurs in certain sales of depreciable real estate. Uh, And there's also a 28% tax rate that's used for collectibles and certain corporate stock sales. And again, I just wanted to mention them so you know that they were out there. And and if any of those situations occur where you're dealing with a 25% or 28% bracket, I absolutely advise you to speak to a tax professional because you definitely want somebody who's well-versed in those areas. Um, So the first question I want to get into really is, what is the difference between a long-term and a short-term capital gain? We all know 
that short-term capital gains rates are taxed at ordinary income and long-term capital gains rates uh, can give us some preferential treatment, but how do we know whether the asset we have is long-term or short-term? The rule is pretty simple here. Assets held for one year or less are considered to be short-term, while assets that are held for more than one year are considered long-term. All right, so that's that's pretty simple rule. You buy a stock, you hold it. Let's say you buy on July 1st of year one. Um, it is short-term all the way up until July 1st of year two. Once it hits July 2nd of year two, this has now become a long-term asset, and it's now, if it's sold and there's a gain, it would be at long-term capital gain rates instead of short-term ordinary income rates. Now, can capital losses be used to offset capital gains? Now, although short-term and long-term capital gains are taxed at different rates, losses from one category can offset income in the other. For example, if you have a $10,000 short-term capital gain and a $5,000 long-term loss, then you would be taxed on a $5,000 capital gain at ordinary income tax rates. The reason for this is the gain portion of this was short-term, again, $10,000, while it would be reduced by $5,000 for the $5,000 long-term capital loss, it would still be taxed at short-term capital gains rates. If the situation was reversed, let's say we had a $10,000 long-term capital gain and a $5,000 short-term loss, then you would still be taxed on 5,000 because again, they would be able to offset each other. But again, this portion, because the gain portion was long-term, you would be taxed at the more preferable long-term capital gains rates. Now, keep in mind that although your losses can exceed your gains, you may only deduct $3,000 of losses in excess of gains in any year. So if we change the example to a $10,000 short-term capital gain and a $30,000 long-term capital loss, then you would offset all of the $10,000 of short-term gain plus an additional $3,000, which just reduces your your ordinary taxable income with a long-term loss. So since your long-term loss was $30,000 and you only needed $13,000, $10,000 to offset the gain plus an additional $3,000, then the remaining $17,000 is carried over to the next year's return. And it's carried over indefinitely until it's used. And if you had no capital gains in in the next year, you could just use $3,000 of that loss. And now your carryover would go from 17,000 to 14,000. If you had a $14,000 gain, you would be able to wipe out the entire $17,000 carryover. So, Again, although capital losses can be carried forward indefinitely, they may never be carried back against prior year capital gains. And this can have a profound impact on a return uh, and one that I think is not so fair. And let me, let me explain why. Let's say that you have a $1 million capital loss in year one and a $1 million capital gain the next year. For this example, ignore the rule about allowing $3,000 of capital losses in excess of capital gains. In this example, with the numbers we're using, it's kind of immaterial and it makes the example a little easier to understand. So in this situation I just outlined, again, a $1 million capital loss in year one and a $1 million capital gain in year two, um, 
Clearly, the $1 million of unused capital loss can be carried forward to offset the $1 million of capital gain in the next year, resulting in taxable income of zero. However, if I change the scenario around and have the $1 million of capital gain occur in year one and the $1 million of capital loss in year two, the result is the $1 million in year one is taxed as a capital gain. It'll be either long-term or short-term, depending on how long the item has been owned. Um, The $1 million loss in year two cannot be used to offset the gain. It can only be used to offset future capital gains plus an additional $3,000 per year. So if in year two, the taxpayer had a $20,000 capital gain, then $23,000 of this loss would be allowed to be used. Again, you offset the whole $20,000 plus an additional three, and the remaining $977,000 of unused um, capital loss would be carried forward. So again, I point this out because I believe this rule to be very unfair. In both scenarios, there was a $1 million gain and a $1 million loss, which should net to zero taxable income in my opinion. But unfortunately, because the way the law is written, if you incur a gain before a loss, you will pay taxes, even though economically you were not any better off than if you incurred the loss initially and then the gain. So it's just very important to keep in mind. Um, The last area I really want to go over is tax planning. And as a general rule, I would like tax consequences to be a factor in your investing strategy, but by no means the only factor. For example, if you were thinking of selling a a real estate investment property and you're planning to buy another one, then by all means, see if you can take advantage of the tax-free exchange provision in the code or even move into the house for a couple years to take advantage of the home residence exclusion. I also, like many accountants, advise my clients to search for items in their portfolio that may have losses that you no longer really like. So in other words, if you have a stock that is now at a lost position uh, and you don't like it anymore, then by all means sell it during the year to offset any capital gains. However, if you have a stock that's just that you like, but it's just temporarily down, I don't advise selling it to take advantage of the loss and then buying it back. Uh, I just don't like that strategy. And to be honest, if you do it too quickly, if you do it within 30 days, it's considered to be a wash sale and, and the loss would be disallowed anyway. But again, so my theory is investing is investing. We invest money to make money. Capital gains and loss rules um, we use to our the best of our ability. But again, they are a factor, not necessarily the determining factor of your uh investment portfolio and lastly i just want to explain that i know a lot of people seem to think that you know capital gains and losses are are fairly simple transactions and they can be but there are situations as you know as i outlined very quickly in these rules where things can get quite complex very quickly certainly again if you're dealing with anything where your long-term capital rate is going to either be the 25 percent rate because you're dealing with depreciable real property or the 28% because you're dealing with collectibles or certain stock sales, I would absolutely speak to a tax professional because uh, you want someone who's well-versed in these areas and understands the law. So I hope this helps everybody out, and I will see you next episode.
Thanks again for listening to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. If you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and write a review. Also, please connect with me on social media. If there are any tax or accounting-related topics you would like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you are that small business owner or entrepreneur that really wants to learn more about how to minimize your tax liability and maximize your income, just head over to www.jeffcpaworld.com and I'll see you over there. Have a great day.